Good morning. Welcome to Fervent Church. If you have a Bible, turn with me to Mark chapter 7. Mark chapter 7 this morning. I'm going to begin in verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, around Jesus, right? They observed that some of the disciples were eating bread with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, uh, keeping the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have washed. And there are many of other customs, and many other customs they have received and kept, like the washing of cups, pitchers, kettles, and, and dining couches. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why don't your di disciples live according to the tradition of the elders, instead of eating bread with cer ceremonial, ceremonially unclean hands? And he answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites, as it is written. This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines, human commands. Abandoning the command of God, you hold on to human tradition. He also said to them, you have a, f a fine way of invalidating God's command in order to set up your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of, the father, of your father or your mother must be put to death. But you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is Corban, that is an offering devoted to God, you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother. You nullify the word of God by your traditions that you have handed down. And you do many similar things. Verse 14, summoning the crowd, he told them, listen to me, all of you, and understand <clears throat> Nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. When, and oh, by the way, uh, uh, the CSB is missing verse 16. At verse 16 there, um, in most of your versions, says, uh, He who has an ear, let him hear. Uh, verse 17 When he went into the, how, the house, away from the crowd, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, are you also lacking in understanding? Don't you realize that nothing going into a person from the outside can defile him? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into the stomach and is eliminated. Thus, he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. From within, out of a person's heart comes evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greeds, evil action, deceit, self-indulgence, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. I'm sure everybody at least clicked on one of those uh, in your own life, I'm sure. Um, I, I know I did. I was like, oh, man. All these things that come from within are what defile a person. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your word. Pray that you'd open it to us, Lord, and that you would help us to understand it and to believe it and to trust in it. And so we lift, it, we lift it up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, they're talking about hand washing here. It's kind of funny, you know. I wonder if they're practicing social distancing as well, you know. So I don't know if you know this or not, but there has been some terrorist groups that have infiltrated um, the church. And they're absolutely wreaking havoc in churches all over 
the United States. Um, they've infiltrated the church and have been operating in churches around the United States and been launching serious jihad against the people of God, destroying churches, breaking them apart. They have been identified, though. I don't know if you guys know this. And, and here's their names. Been sleeping, been fighting, been dividing, been arguing, been complaining, been murmuring, and been missing. And their leader, Lucifer Ben Workin, uh, has been training these groups to destroy the body of Christ. To destroy the body of Christ. The plan is to bring his people into the church disguised as Christians and work from the inside out, dividing, discouraging, bringing disunity, disrupting, and destroying the church of Jesus Christ. But here's the good news. There's another group, a, a little tiny cell group that is uh, waging um, uh, a strategic uh, war against these people. I, I guess they're, they're a counter-terrorist group. And they're, they're called Ben Praying. And been praying, they do all they do is they encourage the body of Christ. They they uplift and encourage and strengthen the body of Christ. And they've been watching and been waiting and been fasting and been longing for the return of Jesus Christ. Religious terrorists are always, always love to infiltrate the church and get people off track from what God is doing. And maybe you know some people like that. I mean, I, I know people like that. Uh, you know, they, they always want you to live up to their standards, right? And if you don't live up to their standards, they judge you, they ridicule you, they, they kick you out of their, their holier-than-thou club, right? If you don't live up to all the laws and the regulation and the rules that they've made for the body of Christ that are completely and totally unbiblical. And the cool thing here is Jesus five times goes after them and blasts them for moving away from the word of God and moving into their own doctrines. Now, uh, you remember uh, la uh, a few weeks ago, we looked at uh, Jesus uh, fed the 5,000, probably 12,000 to 15,000 people. And then he walked on water. And then we skipped over this, the end of chapter six. And I want to read it to you right now. Chapter six, um, verse 53, I want to begin in verse 53, chapter 6, verse 53, it says, When they had crossed over, Jesus and his disciples, they came to the shore at Gennesaret and anchored there. As they got out of the boat, people immediately recognized them. They hurried throughout that region and began to carry the sick on mats or wherever they heard he was. Whenever he went into villages or towns or country, they laid the sick in the marketplace and begged him that they might touch just the end of his robe. And everyone who touched him was healed. And you got to remember, this is the Passover, right? And so people are everywhere. And Jesus is casting out demons and he's healing lepers and, he's, and the blind are seen and the lame are walking and the deaf are hearing and, and miracles are going on and God, and God and his Holy Spirit are just blowing this thing wide open. And then some knuckleheads come up there and say, why aren't you washing your hands? You know, why? I, I mean, can, imagine this for a minute. I mean, I know people like this, man. And, and these religious ter terrorists, they come in and they try to tear apart the work of the living God and the miracles that the living God is doing. And they come in and they divide and they find fault and they confront 
Jesus. And it drives, drives Jesus crazy. They always bring confusion, destruction, and fractures in the body of Christ. Because that's all they can do. And that's all they ever do. But it struck a nerve with Jesus. Jesus wasn't happy. Jesus is never happy when you mess with his word or his followers, his disciples. He is never happy. And so Jesus, he comes, uh, he comes and he's like, are you guys out of your minds? I mean, can you see that God is working and doing miracles and he's moving and the lame are, are healed and the demons are fleeing and, and you guys are worried about washing hands? I mean, this is just like legalism. Legalism always makes its own rules, its own laws, and its own do's and don'ts. And that's what it does. And so these religious terrorists, these Pharisees, these legalists, these hypocrites, I mean, Jesus basically calls them all those and then some, come up with their own way of worshiping God. And you guys realize that in, in this context of what they're talking about, they took three verses and wrote 35 pages of do's and don'ts on three verses. And that's what the legalist does. He always adds to the work of God. And what happens is, is their pride gets puffed up and they get the shirt and they tell everybody how great they are and how holy they are and how they, hey, look at me, look at what I've done. I, I follow more laws than you. I follow more rules than you. I'm, I'm holier than you. And, and, and you need to live up to the standard that I am living up to. And they come in and they take the, the commandment of God and they, they, they add two times or five times or six times or ten times or eight times or, or things that aren't even in the Bible. And then they want you and me to follow them and live up to them. And they're unrealistic, unbiblical, ridiculous rules. All they ever do is they divide the church, they exhaust the people of God, and a Pharisee, and, and, and guys, a Pharisee, by the way, a Pharisee never knows he's a Pharisee. He always thinks he's right, right? But a Pharisee always leaves bodies everywhere they go. Because it's truly, my friends, it is faith that pleases God. And the Pharisee never sees it. The Pharisee doesn't understand that Jesus here is saying, look, it's, it's, it's not the outside. It's the inside that matters. It's your heart. It's my heart. It's your heart. Now, Jesus is trying to teach us a few things here, but the, the main thing Jesus is trying to teach us here, the main point, if you will, is it's not uh, about what, what happens outside of a person that matters, but inside. You can look on the outside like a Pharisee. I mean, even, even Jesus would go on and say, look, these guys, you know, don't look at them. They, they keep the law with every jot and tittle. They add to it, but they definitely keep the law as well. And um, Jesus knew that. He saw, but he saw their hypocrisy. He saw them. And what happens is, is, is that their hypocrisy or their legalism in our lives or inside the church, Jesus is saying, there is no room for it. There is no room for it in our own lives, and there's no room for it in the church. Now, 
uh, back during the Jesus movement, uh, there was a man by the name of Chuck Smith, and he started Calvary Chapel, and 1,600 churches grew out of this, uh, out of Calvary Chapel, and um, so all the hippies were coming, and they were coming with their bare foot and bare feet, and they had just put in new carpet in the church, and the elders were complaining. They're like, man, we got to do something. We got to get these guys to wash their feet or we got to have them get them to wear shoes. And, and there was this big argument in the church over, over the, the hippies coming in with their, with their bare feet. And so what Chuck did is, is, is one day during the week, he brought some guys in and he just tore up all the carpet. And now it was just concrete. He says, I am not going to allow legalism or this carpet to get in, in the way of the revival of Jesus Christ is going on right now. And, and, and I love that. I love that. He wasn't going to let the Pharisees and the legalists keep the revival of God. It doesn't say anywhere in the scriptures, thou shall not wear bare feet on the carpet anywhere in this Bible. And so he fixed the problem. He tore the carpet out. Now, if, you, if you're new to the church or, or, or you, you don't want to have anything to do with the church, I want to apologize to you. I want to apologize to you for all the legalism and the hypocrisy and the judgmentalness that the church has heaped on people. I, I see it all the time. I mean, some of Christ, Christians can be the most hypocritical, judgmental, legalistic people on the planet. And all it ever does is drive people away from Jesus. And I remember, I think I shared this story before, but there was a church in the Ukraine and my buddies went over there and, and right when the, the, the wall came down and, and they did this huge outreach over there and like 250 kids came to the Lord and there was only one church in the town, you know, it was communist and all that. And they sent these kids with their mohawks and their piercings and their miniskirts and their tattoos to this church. And the people, the elders and the pastor met them at the door and told them that they couldn't come inside dressed like and looking like that. I mean, could you imagine? These guys just got saved and then they're rejecting them and won't even let them in the church. Yet I see this kind of thing all the time. And it might be subtle. It might not be so outward blatant as, as that. So my buddies sold everything packed up and they went over and they planted a church. I mean, we're, they weren't going to put up with it. Right? They, they, they said, we're going to do it. And when I first got to Bonner's Ferry, I can remember when I first planted the church up there, one guy came up to me and asked me about um, suits and why didn't I wear a suit. Another guy I had said one time that, look, Jesus turned water into wine and, you know, we're not to be drunk with wine. You can, no Christian is to ever drink and then uh, never get a tattoo. And then one of the biggest blowouts we had is we had a bunch of people come up to us and say, you know, Christmas trees are pagan and you can't have a Christmas tree. And it's just a tree with some lights. Chill out. Okay. I mean, I'm not worshiping the tree. Uh, I mean, it's just like crazy what people will do adding to the scriptures. It does not say thou shall not have a Christmas tree and you can't even make a case for tattoos. I mean, and people try to do it all the time. They add to the word of God. My friend, he was a pastor in Mississippi. And he said this one pastor was not ever allowed to leave the house without his suit on. It was so bad that he saw him out there one day. It was 100 degrees out, 90% humidity. And the dude is out there pushing his lawnmower 
uh, mowing his lawn in his suit. Really? I, I mean, the thing, no wonder nobody wants to follow Jesus, right? No wonder nobody wants to be a Christian. I mean, Jesus died and set us free from laws and regulations and burdens and, and gave us the word of God. And, the, and, and that is the problem with legalism. God will not bless it. He won't bless it. He blesses faith. Yes, he blesses obedience. But he does not bless legalism and he doesn't bless Pharisees. So, it, it, crazy to me what people do. And so, whether you or someone else heaps burdens on you that are not in the Word of God or uh, you try to live up to this unbiblical, ungodly standard you, and you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, whether you made the laws, or you know, this is how cults are formed, right? Whether you made the law or some pastor made the law or some church made the law, uh, it, it, all it'll do is either make people hate church or it'll make the Christian weary and burdened and burnt out. Because you can ne you're always striving to live up to this perfect standard. And trust me, there's always one knucklehead that can live up to this perfect standard, especially the one that he made. And he's the standard, right? No, Jesus is the standard. And we have this one guy, and he expects everybody else to live up to his standard. And those that can't, oh my, we're going to judge them. I mean, oh my goodness, right? Verse 6 says this, And he answered, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites. As it is written, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrine the commandments of man. Guys, it isn't Jesus and something. It is, it is not Jesus and. It's not Jesus and. It's Jesus. Don't ever forget that. You don't have to add anything to something that is already perfect. You don't. You absolutely don't. It is Jesus plus nothing. And legalism separates people from God, both outside the church and inside the church. It separates people from God. Let me read to you what Jesus says about religious terrorists. I'm just going to be quoting from Matthew. I'm just going to read it to you. But don't do what they do because they don't practice what they teach. This is talking about the Pharisees, the religious terrorists. They tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and put them on people's shoulders. But they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. They do everything to be seen by others. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. That's what legalism does. That is what legalism does. Okay? Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You shut the door uh, um, of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you, do, you don't go in and you don't allow others to enter in either. Woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to make one convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup so the outside of it may also be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, 
but inside are full of dead man's bones and every kind of impurity. In the same way, on the outside, you see righteousness to people. You seem righteous to people, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Listen, guys. This is for all the legalists, the hypocrites, and the, and the Pharisees. Nine times out of ten, you don't even know that you're one. Because you think you are doing everything right. And you want everybody else to do it exactly the way you are doing it. And you think that you're closer to God than I am. Or closer to God than the next person that isn't keeping your rules, your laws, your holier-than-thou country club baloney. And Jesus blasts these guys. He calls them brood of vipers, sons of hell, children of the devil. When people see us, they should want what we have. They should see Jesus's love, peace, power, joy radiating from our lives. They should see us loving one another and caring for one another. And this isn't a license to sin, guys. I mean, I know people that use that. You know, I've been called when I called some lady out cheating on her husband one time, called me a Pharisee and that I was judging her. And I mean, we're not talking about that, right? We're talking about, and you know what I'm talking about, making up stuff that isn't in the Bible. People should see us and want what we have. There's a um, lady by the name of Mildred. Mildred was the church gossip. George had just started coming to the church a few months before, and Mildred had been gossiping about him. She had seen his truck parked all night out in front of the bar. So George, uh, so uh, all around the church, she was gossiping about George. Finally, it got back to George, and and George went and talked to her about it, and she confronted George and said, I saw your truck parked out there all night long. You, you're a drunkard, and she's just blasting this guy. So George just turned around and walked away. And the next night, George went and parked his truck out in front of Mildred's house and left it there all night long. Perfect, right? I mean, touche, right? Uh, and, and so now, how does that play out, right? There's a family that also was just leaving the church. And dad and his family were driving home and dad was complaining about the sermon and about the preacher and about the worship was too loud and he didn't like this one person that was on the worship team and, and, and the, the, the heat, it was too hot in there and on and on and on and on he went. And then he got out in the traffic and then complained about the traffic. And then they got home and they sat down for their Sunday afternoon meal and the dad bowed his head and he began to pray and, and thank God for the food and, 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 and asked a blessing on the meal. Well, when he looked up, the little boy said, Dad, <laughs> Daddy, did God hear you when you were complaining about the sermon and the, and the worship team and the, and the preacher and all that? And dad says, well, I, I guess he did, son. Well, did, dad hear, did God hear you when you asked, thanked him for the meal and, and, and asked a blessing on the meal. And dad says, well, yeah, I, I guess, I guess he did, son. Well, which one did God believe? I, I mean, that's the truth of the matter of it, right? I mean, we got the hypocrites, hypocrites, right? I mean, you thank God for one thing and you curse God for another thing, right? What is a hypocrite? Well, back in Jesus's day, they would do these plays and usually Two people would act out 12 to 20 scenes, different, uh, different characters, excuse me. 
And so they would take a different mask and they would put a different mask on for each scene. And they would come in and out with different masks on and play different characters. And although there were 12 or 20 different characters in this thing, only two guys would play it. But the sad part is in the church, that's exactly what we do. We put one mask on when we're at work. We put another mask on when we're alone. We put another mask on when we're at home. And then we put a different mask on when we're at church. And we don't ever just be the same person constantly. And that's what a hypocrite is. He, he, he acts one way around one person and a different way around the other. You know, when he's playing golf with the boys, he's, he, he's cussing like a drunken sailor. And when he's in church by the, you know, uh, pastor, maybe he talks in King James. Well, thou else doest goodeth, uh, you know. I mean, I mean, you have this baloney going on in people's lives. But Jesus calls them out. He says, guys, I see your heart. I know who you are. Take off the mask. You don't have to wear any more masks. And walk with me. It's just Jesus and not Jesus and anything. Legalism can never bring you closer to Jesus. It is literally impossible. And by the way, the greatest lie ever told is that you can do anything to earn God's favor. If you do everything right, God will be pleased with your life and he will accept you. Baloney. Baloney. If you believe in Jesus Christ, that he died for your sins, that he was buried and he raised from the dead, then you will have favor with God. Stop trying to earn it. Stop trying to work for it. Stop trying to be perfect. Get close to Jesus and watch what he does. Because Jesus, my friend, is in the business of changing lives. That is what he does. He gives us a new heart. God gives us a new heart. And he is <laughs> his, fa his favorite thing to do is when you come to him is change you from the inside out as we just abide in him. Now, Jesus tells us, you know, again, like I said, working and, and legalism and all that kind of stuff, being a Pharisee is just hard work. Trying to live up to a standard that God did not set is hard work. But Jesus tells us that a heart after God, he says this, he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, burdened, and I will give you rest. Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus also says in John 10, 10, he says the thief only comes to steal and kill and destroy. That's Satan. But I can tell you right now, Pharisees work for Satan too. They only come to rob, kill and destroy or steal, kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give life and life in abundance. And then even the Apostle Paul says, He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. Guys, it is all about Jesus. Period, the end. It is all about Jesus. Now, how can you spot a religious terrorist? I'm going to give you four or five easy Ways. How do you spot a hypocrite, a legalist, or a Pharisee? You ask them these questions. And this one always trips them up. I love doing this, man. So, um, can you show me where that is in the Bible? 
go wash your hands, right? I mean, right? Or the next question, how is that like Jesus? I mean, did we see Jesus do that? I mean, does it look like Jesus? Have I, I mean, where did Jesus say that or do that? Uh, have, have you ever seen, and number three, have you ever seen the apostles do that? Number four, have the apostles written about that, right? Does the, 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 did God say that we can't dance? I think I remember somebody by the name of, I don't know if God liked him very much, that man after God's own heart. What's his name? Uh, oh, David, the dude that danced in his underwear into the city of Jerusalem. Ah, can't dance. That's interesting. I mean, uh, the stuff that people make up, no instruments. Well, you know what? David even made instruments and, and all through the Bible. That's for those string. I mean, the Psalms, that's for the stringed instruments. That's for that. That's for this. That's for that. And you, we can get these stupid rules and regulations that are so far out from what God has commanded us to do. And then it says this, uh, is it a commandment of God or is it just a commandment in your church? Guys, Legalism can never produce fruit and it can never produce a strong Christian. And people that get stuck in, in a legalistic church either end up hiding their sin and in hypocrisy or end up leaving the church altogether and never go back. Now, verses 10 through 13, got to move around, move along pretty quickly here. So um, God calls them out by the word of God. Jesus calls them out and he uses the word of God to call out their hypocrisy. It says this in verse um, 10. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother may, will be put to death. I mean, that's pretty much will sum that up, right? Um, but you say, if anyone tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me as Corbin, that is an often devoted to God, you no longer have to do anything for your father and mother. So basically what they were saying was, is they're saying is like, you know what, I don't want to dip into my retirement to take care of my family. So I'm going to call it Corbin, devoted to God. I want to buy this new boat. My mom and dad are hungry. My mom and dad need a new place to live. My mom and dad need to be helped being checked into a convalescent hospital. But I'm going to say this, this is devoted to God, so I don't have to give it to him. I mean, insanity, right? And Jesus rebukes him. And I love Paul rebukes him too. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 3, it says this, support widows who are in genuine need, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, let them learn to practice godliness toward their own family first and to repay their parents for this pleases God. And then in verse eight, he goes on to say, but if anyone does not provide for his own family, especially for his own household, he is denied the fate and is worse than an unbeliever. Some versions say worse than an infidel. I mean, you think, I mean, so when Jesus was nailing these guys, I mean, this is just classic Jesus right here. He uses the word of God to slice, just like he uses the word of God to slice Satan apart. He uses the word of God to slice these guys apart. I love it. Um, and then verse 15, it says, nothing that goes, <clears throat> uh, verse 14. Some of the crowds again, he told them, listen to me, all of you, and understand. Nothing that goes into a person from outside can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Wow. Jesus is declaring it is the heart that defiles the man. Verse 20, it says this. In verse 20, it says this. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of people's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immoralities, thefts, murders, adulteries, greed, 
evil actions, deceit, self-indulgence, evil slant, uh, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile a person. What's God saying there? He's saying, look, I look at the heart. He looked at it back in Genesis. Remember when he, he, God saw the wickedness throughout the earth because the intents of the thoughts of their hearts were wicked continually. It is always about the heart with God. But here's what I know. Jesus is the greatest heart surgeon who has ever lived. And he will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Because that's what he does. He will take your hard, wicked, evil heart when you come to him and you lay it before him. Say, God, change me. He then begins to operate and begins to do heart surgery on you and begins to remove when you come to him and give your life to Jesus and surrender to Jesus and believe that Jesus died and was buried and rose from the dead for your sins and you repent of your sins. What happens is he begins to operate on you. And he begins to do heart surgery on you. And he begins to remove those things. And with some of us, it's adulteries. And others, it's greed. And some of us, it's, uh, it's deceit, self-indulgence, and envy. And he begins to operate and, and carve out those areas in our lives that, that are displeasing to him as we submit to him and abide in him. And that's what he wants to do in your life. That's what he's doing in my life daily. Daily opening my chest back up and removing those wicked things. And the closer I get to Jesus, the more vile and wretched I see my heart. Okay? <laughs> and so I, the more I, I, I focus on Him and seek Him and, and cultivate intimacy with Him and worship Him, the more He shows me those things in, in my life that He wants to work on. And guys, I love that about Jesus. Now, when I was a pastor in San Diego, there was this um, eight-year-old <clears throat> uh, little girl that needed a heart transplant. And um, within a few weeks, if she didn't get this heart plan transplant, she wasn't going to make it. She was going to die. And about the same time, while she was in the hospital, a little boy about the same age got in this horrific car accident. And um, the little boy, uh, only thing keeping him alive was a machine. There was no brain waves and... They were pumping his heart. And so the doctor goes in and he, and he sits down with the family. And he said, you know, this, this little boy's not going to make it. I'm so sorry. But I want to tell you a story about a little girl who's in the floor right below you. And if she doesn't have a heart, she's not going to live either. She needs a heart. And she needs it now. I'm going to leave you guys alone to discuss this. But um, would you like to give your little boy's heart to this family? And so <clears throat> the doctor leaves. He comes back in an hour or so later and they say, we want to do it under one condition. We want to be able to hear our son's heart beating in this little girl. And so they take the little boy's heart out and they put it in this little girl. And a couple of days later when the little girl's recovering, um, the parents come down and meet the other parents. And uh, the parents were like, why, do you, why is it that you want to um, see my little girl so bad? And they said, because... If it's okay with you, we want to see, we want to listen to his heartbeat one more time, our little boy's heartbeat. And they said, absolutely. And so they, uh, instead of using stethoscopes, they literally laid their head on this little girl's chest and they were able to hear um, <laughs> their little boy's heartbeat inside this little girl. And this little girl would live and grow up 
Listen, guys, Jesus doesn't want your sacrifice. He wants your life. He wants to set his head upon your chest. And he wants to hear his heart beat inside your chest. Jesus says, I will give you a new heart. God the Father says, I will give you Jesus's heart. And when I put my head upon your chest, I will hear not your, 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 your evil, wicked ways and your, your sinful thoughts and your indulgences and your slander and your pride and your envy and your adulteries and your evil thoughts and your sexual immorality. I will hear my son's heart beating inside of you. Friends, give Jesus your heart this morning. Believer, stop striving. Stop working. Stop trying to earn favor with God. Simple faith in Jesus Christ has given you that. Now, get as close to Jesus as you can so you can hear His heart beat. And you can hear His heart beat here. And you can hear His heart beat through relationships. You can hear His heart beat in creation. You can hear His heart beat through His church. Through worshiping Him. Get as close to him as you can. Let Jesus change your heart. It's not about you. It's about him. Now, <clears throat> what would he see right now if he heard your heart? If we could play your heart on a TV screen, what would he see? Hopefully we wouldn't be embarrassed, right? But let him do that surgical work. Open up your heart to him. He wants to clean it out, right? He wants to change it. And one last thing. It is not Jesus and. It's just Jesus. Amen? Get as close to him as you can. And let his heart beat in you. And remember, you are known and loved.